All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. How are you? How you doing? Good, man. You took today off. What did you do? Uh, today, I edited the Star Wars podcast. Okay. I went for a long walk. I started my Christmas shopping. I uh, did some writing. I did some editing of another piece I'm writing. I worked on repairing my garbage dumpster outside. Whoa. I had a very productive day. It sounds like it. Yes. What did you do to your garbage dumpster? So... It's a long story. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an epic story. Okay. So when when the sellers of this house moved, they just left their garbage garbage bins here. Okay. Which makes sense because they were just like stained in garbage cool. juice. You may as well leave them behind. And I didn't own any, so I considered it a win. Uh, but they they stay in this like wooden crate outside. Okay. Which means I never really studied them mm-hmm. naturally. Sure. And so I put the garbage bins out on a Monday night, and then on a Tuesday morning. After collection was done and they were toppled over on my lawn, a swift gust of wind came down this street (sighs) and took one of them away. (laughs) Forever. Well, so I thought. Oh. And I went out looking and it occurred to me I had never studied my garbage cans and I don't in fact know what they look like. What they looked like. And the entire neighborhood was in upheaval because it was one of those really, really windy Tuesdays we've had recently. And so... uh, I look up the street and I see my garbage can like lodged in someone's hedge. And I'm like, there it is. It's kind of weird to me that it went up the street, but it did. And so I grab it and I take it home and I put both of my garbage bins back in my little wooden crate. And two weeks later, it's garbage day again. And I drag my garbage bins out to the curb and I leave them there. And then Tuesday, I rush outside and I bring them back inside. Right. Because I don't want the wind to take them away again. Uh, And then I come home. And one of my garbage cans is gone. It's been like moved either via the wind or a human or a human from the little shelter next to my house, which says to me, I took somebody's garbage can thinking it was mine. They saw it in front of my house the next garbage day. <laughs> took what was rightfully theirs. Took what was rightfully theirs, which I can appreciate. Now, that's not the end of the story. It, <laughs> it should be. <laughs> That could be condoned. I love that it's not. That could be condoned, right? Yep. Um, so then a couple more days go by, and it's not even garbage day anymore. The The story doesn't hinge on garbage day anymore. We come home, and I realize my second garbage bin has been removed as well. Okay. So now a retaliation has occurred. <laughs> That's a note too far. Yeah. It's like they took back what was rightfully theirs, and they struck back right. for the initial <laughs> strike. Extra revenge. Right. And so uh, I went out and bought a padlock, and I was installing that today. Good stuff. <laughs> and we also bought two new bins and wrote our address on them. So we should be That's sad. a good call. Yeah. The address thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say you're good. I think so. I really thought you were going to say, like, and I found it again, and I took it back. <laughs> well, this is the other thing is that it's not out of the realm of possibility that the wind took both garbage cans and that they're just <clears throat> around here somewhere. You do live on a steep hill. Steep hill. It gets windy through here. It's been yeah. especially windy this season. Yep. Yeah. Weird that it rolled up the hill. I'm still thinking about that. It didn't. That was someone else's garbage oh, can. Oh, so you took someone else's garbage can that I'm time. I'm pretty right. sure. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what right. happened. Yes, that makes sense. So that's one of the great sagas that's been occurring since I became a landowner i started a war with one of my neighbors (laughs) an an accidental war with a neighbor you don't know a trash war yeah yeah but he knows you that's kind of the weird part 
Well, he has opinions about me. Yeah. I don't know if he knows me. <laughs> he doesn't know who I really am. <laughs> he doesn't know your ins and outs. No, of course not. He doesn't know what motivates me. He just has one thing about me that drives him nuts. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so he plotted his revenge. <laughs> the one thing about him that drives me nuts is he's always stealing my garbage cans. <laughs> he's just like, I have this vision of him like peeking out the blinds and he's like, <laughs> there's that young lad again. Oh, I bet he's... to and from his car so smugly. I bet he's got a million garbage cans in that car of his. <laughs> <laughs> They're not worth hoarding, these garbage no. cans. Entirely unspectacular. Definitely not. So that was the craftsman thing that I did today. That's odd. Did you have a drill? No, I, you, I used a screwdriver in the pressure of my palms. Good for you. Uh, soft wood. Gotcha. Pretty soft wood. All right. Yeah, and the screws are kind of crooked. Gotcha. But I did it myself. <sighs> Man, no better feeling. Yeah, are you? Have you one off the list. Have you like? You're pretty. You're pretty able. You're pretty handy. You get that from your dad a little bit. You've done little odd jobs. Yeah, little odd jobs. Well, in my fact, dad's... you just told me downstairs that you always change your oil yourself, which is impressive. My oil and my tires. Yeah, and we put up like, like, for instance, I bought trim and I put that up inside for like our patio door or our yeah our sliding door yeah, upstairs. That's impressive. And, yeah, I mean, I think you would be underwhelmed by the amount of work that actually goes into this yeah you underestimate how easily it is to impress me <laughs> yeah i'm walking well, through people's houses and i'm like wow you, somebody did that <laughs> you gotta you gotta come over sometime because you would really be like so that's all you did you did this and then you did that and then i've you been did to this. your house before yeah just the once i know but still it doesn't minimize the amount of work that i've i mean it doesn't maximize the amount of work that i've done because it's still just like pretty basic stuff for the most part you've kept the place standing we've kept the place standing knock yeah, on wood that's right mm -hmm. all right well we haven't done a podcast in a couple of weeks there are a few newsworthy things to mention gotta get to some things seems kind of sad to start in such a, a dingy corner although it's definitely the most significant entertainment piece of news in the last couple of weeks stan lee passed away yeah that was pretty impactful that for was people. big a lot of people uh, well i mean how many millions did he make for other people? Think about it that way. That's that's the way to put it too. Because he, I mean, I'm sure he was, I'm sure he died a millionaire, but he's not a billionaire. No. And he should have been, I think. It feels like he should be like Dr. Dre. It feels like he should be the Dr. Dre of, like, of cartoons, yeah. Dr. Dre uh, invested in a uh, headphone company yes. and became a billionaire. Right. Stan Lee made a million stories about things that didn't exist before they entered his brain. Right. Right, he completely I mean, he, conceptualized and made I know. entire series. I think it's easy for us, and I'm not discrediting Stanley. I'm, <laughs> I'm not Bill Maher for Christ's sake. Did you, hear what, did you hear what Bill Maher said? No, I can't wait to hear it though. I mean, look it up on your own. What a, he just, what he's a just, dork. He's so smug about. He was smug about Stanley this week on his show. He's like, "Well, you're all children for liking those things anyway." <laughs> and then he stood by what he said anyway. Um, so what was I going to say? Oh, I think it's easy for us to to assume that Stan Lee was always like the god of comic books. Mm -hmm. and maybe he was like the most um, the 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 what's the word for when you put out a lot of work? Uh, productive. Sure, it's not the word I'm looking for. But maybe, <laughs> yeah, I maybe didn't he think was so. maybe he was the most uh, productive, but he really just had Spider Man. You know what I mean? Really? Like, and the Hulk. Didn't he have X Men? And yeah. I guess X-Men's a pretty big deal too. But like if we start to include, like I saw all these these headlines last week that's like uh, Stan Lee, creative Spider-Man and Black Panther dies. And I'm like, I'm, it's not a great accomplishment that he created Black Panther until 2018. 
Like it, that wasn't a real same with frankly same with Iron Man like but, Iron but Man. But Black Panther was a series long before. Oh, you you mean it wasn't an accomplishment until it's not, it's not the that it wasn't an series. accomplishment. I'm just saying it wasn't like it didn't really matter that much. It right. certainly wasn't like a career milestone until Chadwick Boseman. Sure, and like I might go so far as to say the same about Iron Man. Like people know about Iron Man. It's not as extreme. Right, he was an Avenger, but like the fact that he's the leader of the Avengers, yeah, is only because of Robert Downey Jr. Right. and John Favreau. Mm-hmm. He was secondary if not tertiary, among the the Avengers. Right. And so anyway, um, he didn't create Captain America. No. He did create the Fantastic Four, which is a pretty big deal. Anyway, it's, it really sounds like I'm discrediting the greatness of, of Stan Lee, who I adore. Uh, but he, he didn't invent a whole lot. He didn't invent superheroes a la Superman. He, um, he was against capes, which I think was a, a radical concept for comic book creators. I like that. Yeah. And uh, he will be missed. The The creator who saddened me more when he passed away in the last week was William Goldman. Oh, did you? Were you? Yeah, because he was really involved with The Princess Bride. which Really is, involved in that he wrote the novel wrote, and then the screenplay. He wrote the novel and the screenplay. Yeah, so. he was really involved. Uh, so I listened. Uh, I feel like I kind of know him because when I was waiting a long time for my car stuff today, I uh, listened to that podcast with Bill Simmons. Who Almost has, three hours long. It was crazy. He, he talked was, to like three different people. In love with, with Bill Gold. They were all eulogizing him and yeah. talking about what an amazing person he was. And So he, he, he won the Academy Award for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He also wrote... Uh, right. And uh, didn't go to that Oscars. It was a great story. <laughs> yeah. He went to the Knicks game instead. Yeah. He loved the Knicks. That's, I guess, why Bill Simmons likes him so much is that he was just movies and sports and that's what Bill Simmons totally. is. Um, but yeah, I, I read the book about the the making of the Princess Bride movie, and I've read the Princess Bride, the novel, like three or four times, which most fans of that movie have never done. It. It's so, like, it's excruciatingly funny. Really? It's, it's enormously funny. Um, it, it, it does this incredible thing that the movie only sort of hints on, which is that the book is being written as if it's already been abridged from some other much longer, more boring book, right. which of course doesn't exist, but the author doesn't let you in on that. Yeah. And it's just so, so funny. And uh, I mean, he wrote All the President's Men. Like if those are your three yeah. movies, if that's your legacy, right. your only real legacy is greatness then, right? Like those your only style was being good at it. Yes. Yeah. Those three have nothing in common. Right. So I was sad about Bill Goldman. I know. I w- and it makes me really want to see the other two movies, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And uh, what was the other one? Besides all the President's Men. All the President's Men. I think I've seen All the President's Men, actually. I haven't. I've, 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 I've got a Butch Cassidy DVD around here if you want to borrow it. Really? Yeah. Uh, maybe I will. Yeah. Um, There's a great scene in the... It's the opening scene of, of Butch Cassidy, which is in black and white, a la uh, The Wizard of Oz, where uh, Butch goes in and they've just installed this this new uh, vault system. Okay. He's a bank robber, right? Right. And so he's kind of pining after the good old days when banks used to be prettier, but really what he means is they used to be easier to rob. Right. The security is getting better. Yeah. It's just a phenomenal movie. Does it turn into color at some point? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it like when he walks into a bank vault and sees a bunch of gold or something, it goes into color? No, I think it's just like the opening scene and then like they go into daylight and it's color. Right. But it's like one of the essential Old West movies. Yeah. That's not, it kind of, I don't want to say it like flips Westerns on its head, but it's not Dirty Harry. Right. You know, it's it's like a fun adventure film. Well, Dirty Harry wasn't a Western. What am I thinking of? Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wait, Dirty... No, yeah, Dirty Harry's a cop movie, which yes. is pretty badass. Yeah, I've never seen that. I saw Good, Bad, and the Ugly years ago. How about Clint Eastwood doing this movie with Bradley Cooper, The uh, Mule, 
What is the, what are the, what's the, what's that? So he like wrote and directed it and it's coming out in December and it's basically about like an 80 year old who thinks he's a driver, but realizes like he opens up one of the bags and there's a bunch of cocaine in it. He thinks he's like a, a chauffeur. Yeah. He thinks he's just kind of like a delivery man, but he's actually a mule. Yeah. And I think he's got all this, you know, kind of like a past history of being a Korean vet or Did whatever. Clint write it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's like the guy he's the main it's guy so much for it. him retiring i guess yeah no he's unless this is his last movie i guess but like, it's coming around right like right in december like oscar season not a lot of that. buzz though no i mean i don't think it comes out till like december 6th okay so we might see it ramping a little bit remember but. like six months ago when he put out that movie about the guys who stopped the massacre on the train true yeah and it was just atrocious didn't, didn't get a whole lot of buzz no but you know how old he is like 84 88 88 he's an 88 year old man god bless him not insane that is pretty wild that's what you got to do you got to find your passion you got to follow it until you're at least 88 (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you have to you have to like really lay some groundwork when you're 40 you need four different wives yeah you need you know when he had his youngest kid is 28 wow okay or 20 28 or 22 22 would be so bizarre yeah Oh, Even weird. 28 is, but like also, all right. Yeah. You're 88. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Did we talk about how one of the, one of the motivating factors behind Bradley Cooper directing a star is born is that he looked at Clint Eastwood's career and saw that, well, he was 42 when he directed Clint his first did movie. This. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to measure yourself against Clint. Yeah. Takes a certain amount of arrogance that only a Hollywood director could have. Exactly. And there was actually <laughs> a quote where he said like, you know, I saw Clint did it when, yeah, yeah. So you're on first name basis with Clint. Bradley Cooper's a little bit guilty of that too. And he's, I have a unique outlook on Bradley Cooper. First, this is, he would hate this and it's so lame, but everything Bradley Cooper, I still view through the lens of inside the actor studio Yeah, and, because he was on that. And like, right. um, and also he was a, he was a guest on that show and like he, it was very sweet actually. It was very human. Um, but that's, that is, I guess the essential Hollywood success story of the two thousands era yeah. is Bradley Cooper, especially totally. if he like wins best director this year, which is possible. Yep. Um, and so where was I going with that? Uh, oh yeah. He's, he's, he's guilty of the name dropping. Mm-hmm. Like he calls Robert De Niro, Bob, and he's, he's earned that cause he's made like four movies with him, Yeah. but he is so Hollywood for a guy who used to just be handsome and not Hollywood. Right. Yeah. And so much how old is he at this point? Because it seemed like Probably he was... 43 or 44, I guess. Right. Remember Wedding Crashers? And that was kind of his first movie. But he would have been like 30. But he, he had already he been on Alias at that point. Right. Yes, that's true. Did you hear the the story about Lady Gaga? Um, or like the quote that she keeps dropping? And I don't know if anyone's noticed. So someone like put together like a YouTube video oh, of no. her responding to like, what was it like working with Bradley Cooper? And this soundbite, she keeps using it over and over. And it's very complimentary. Yeah. But she's like, you know, he was someone who always believed in me. There can be 100 people in the room and 99 of them say no, but he is the one person (laughs) that said, yes, we need her. Yeah. We need her. So Was it that tough to sell Lady Gaga? It. I don't know. That seems hard to believe. But- she said she told that story like 30 times, yeah. like different and someone spliced it all together. Also funny. Did you see that Jack White was uh, Bradley Cooper wanted Jack White for the I role of Jackson Payne? I did see that would make it a very different film. 
it 100% would have. I am, I'm happy he turned it down because yeah. I don't think it could have been the same. But again, like sometimes those things get blown out of proportion. Like how much, how long was this movie in pre-production before it was established Bradley Cooper's going to play the lead? Yeah. Well, I mean, did he, wouldn't he have kind of pitched it after a while? Like actually, you know what? I'm just going to learn to play guitar. Uh, actually, actually, you know what? I'm just going to. Actually, gonna, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do this. I just wanted to take another look at you. And now I have. <laughs> And I've decided you're that, ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you were handsome enough to play Jackson Maine. No, but like when Lady Gaga came aboard, he was already playing the part. Yeah, yeah. And that's another story I've heard her tell one too many times about how she was at a Sean Parker benefit, and then he invited her over, and she heated him up pasta, and they sang Midnight Special while she played the piano. Oh, really? And I didn't hear this. And story. he sang, and she was like, "Oh my God, Bradley, you 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 sing from your heart." And yeah. And then she forced him. He he wanted to have like a. Uh, like a voice double for the movie. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not doing this unless you learn to sing. If you're going to make me an actor, I'm going to make you a singer. Which is actually a cool line. Something I could only bring up on this podcast. <laughs> oh, I love where this is going already. You think they ever did it? Um, All honesty, no. they could make a lot of excuses for it. Like, you know, we need to do this for the chemistry. We need to do this like... Or just like in the heat of the moment, maybe that night where they're singing Midnight Special. For some reason, this is weird because like 10 years ago, Lady Gaga was the weirdest person in popular culture. Yeah. There's something more down to earth about Lady Gaga than Bradley Cooper in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's more believable that, that he would be like the psycho, uh, um, method actor. Almost like Jackson Maine. Almost like Jackson Maine. Then Lady Gaga, who probably Almost would like live, who if she wasn't a pop star, she'd live with her dad, who owns like a limo company. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like that. That. So no, my answer is no, but probably, but probably because of her, she would have been the reason not, not him. She she abstained, and he's the one who's married. He. I was wondering if either of them were married. He is in a long term relationship with like a, a model something. There's like be, because the chemistry of Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper is really. Um, spectacular mm-hmm. uh tabloids are trying to push the narrative that that they're truly soulmates oh and, really and so i didn't even know that they're trying to create they ship cooper and gaga and so they're trying to cultivate this narrative that he and his wife are not happy even though they just had a baby girl like a year right. ago sometimes do you think tabloids are the thing that splits up couples yeah like i think i think for sure are you kidding like, are justin thoreau and jennifer aniston done or has that just been in the tabloids for like three years? Yeah, they haven't been married for like two or three years. Okay. They're okay. They super done. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Asked and answered. I don't know who got Jimmy Kimmel, but they are done. Probably Justin Thoreau. Yeah, probably Thoreau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except he had to do Maniac. Yeah, and Mute. <laughs> yeah, that's Yikes. right. Rough year for Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Maniac, man. Both ones where he kind of played a weird doctor. Never finished Maniac. No. Was it eight or 10 episodes? I think 10. I watched all but the last one. No way. That was how out you were. <laughs> I just on couldn't. It. I just had no interest. Yeah. Fair enough. So Stan Lee died. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you, are you up on this uh, lawsuit against the chilling adventures of Sabrina? No. That I did finish. Okay. Finished it. You finished it. Um, and I Hasn't think, it been renewed already for like December? I, well, no. They're, they're doing a Christmas episode. Oh, okay. They're doing one Christmas episode, and okay. I'm sure it will be renewed if it's not already. Yeah. Um, I finished it. I think I'm good now. Yeah. I don't. I'll probably watch the Christmas one. I don't think I need more because uh, it wasn't amazing. She was really good. Yeah. Uh, she goes platinum blonde in the end, which was kind of fun. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> that was a real peak for you. Well, it's like now she looks like the com- the comic book character. Oh, I see. They really leaned in. Okay, I get you. Um, so there's this there's this lawsuit uh, put forward by like a real satanic church that is angry that the show has been using this goat deity, which okay. they say is like I don't know if they they say it's like um, proprietary, but they're angry that it's being associated with this coven within the show okay. that. Uh, worships like murder and cannibalism and hedonism and all these things that the satanic church does not in fact support. And so they're saying it really uh, sheds them in a bad light. You're making the satanic church look bad. You're making Satan look really bad (laughs) with this goat deity there. (laughs) And so anyway, they reached a settlement today and that's all they're going to say. We don't know how much the settlement was, but I guess there's grounds for a settlement. The satanic church received like three million dollars from the chilling adventures of sabrina i think so yeah amazing netflix had to write a what check a to the to satanic church <laughs> which is a metaphor for something i don't know what it is but it's a metaphor for something uh jk simmons joined the uh veronica mars revival okay so he's gonna be working with was it um what basketball player was it who <laughs> was working on veronica oh mars. kareem abdul jabbar right, kareem God, I totally forgot about that story. You were I need to, to look, investigate that. I need to look that up. I'm sorry. That's okay. Well, I'll I'll look it up later if I remember. At the end of the podcast, your job is to remind me. And listeners, if he hasn't reminded me, then we've failed you. Uh, okay, you could listen to the podcast. That would remind you. Oh, sh- yeah. Okay, right. I'll do that. Right. So last time on the podcast, we talked about how the the Twilight Zone reboot by Jordan Peele has uh, Adam Scott signed on. Yes. They've also added Kumail Nanjiani. Interesting. And possibly Riz Ahmed and Jacob Tremblay, who's the kid from Room. Okay. So they're beefing this thing up. But it makes you wonder a little bit, and we talked about this last time too, because it's the serialized thing. Are these just really famous actors signing on to do one little 40-minute episode? And in that case, why not? Right. But they're really beefing it up to make it a big thing. Yeah. They're investing in it. Is it just going to be like Black Mirror? Is it going to be like Black Mirror without technology? Maybe there does seem to be like a, a futuristic contemporary skew right. to Black Mirror. But then again, why do Twilight Zone if not through that same milieu? Yeah. Because that's what the scariest thing about our culture is, is technology. Well, but the thing is, you know, someone could still wake up and be a fly, for instance. Or like, true, you know, that's that's kind of the, not you know, that's more of a Kafka thing, I guess. <laughs> Oh, big draw from the cigarette on that one. I'm so impressed. Um, but that's, I don't know. I I think that, yeah, you, it, it could just go in more of a bizarre, weird thing, where I think, if anything, maybe Black Mirror is a little bit more confined. Yeah. So, but I that, brought that point up and then, like... All the more reason to not do it, though. Especially when you're Jordan Peele, who just won an Oscar for the most original movie in a decade. Yeah. Yeah, but that, I, might, that might be a stretch. That might be overstating it a little bit. I think he's bit. got the Midas touch a little bit at this point. But is if you have the Midas touch, do something else that's some, that's that's edgy and risky. Don't just reboot something. Right. Well, they're not going to use the same stories. I think they're writing original stories. I know, they? but why are we? <laughs> he could have just called it his own thing. That's right. And made it like the Twilight Zone. That's right. I think that's entirely true. I lived on a street called Twilight when I grew up. Oh. Pre Stephanie Meyer. Yeah. Post Rod Serling. Right. But I didn't. What know. was that like? It was a weird world, man. Yeah. Wouldn't go back. <laughs> was it in the twilight of your? It was, it was in the twilight of my childhood. Oh no, it was in the twilight of my my infancy. I guess. Okay. It's towards the end of my infancy. 
Okay, uh, guesses as to who's been cast as Lex Luthor in Supergirl. Somebody who just recently went bald. You might not even know this. You're going to go, oh, I didn't know that person was bald now. You're probably right. I'm going to say, like, okay, British? Nope. American. Um, Dame Judi Dench. <laughs> good, good guess following the previous questions you asked. Uh, and male. Yes. Yes. <laughs> over Alexa Luther. I wouldn't put it past that. over 30. Yeah. Um, is it? I honestly have no idea. John Cryer. Oh. John oh, that's Cryer. really weird. Yeah, it is weird. Fun fact about John Cryer, went bald a long time ago. So to make it look like he still had hair in the latter seasons of Two and a Half Men, they painted his scalp. Oh. So yikes. his very thin hair would look thicker. That's gross. Isn't that really gross? Yeah. And now he's playing a menacing, famously bald person. Somehow that was the grossest thing on that set. What a, Are they just doing that to be like... To be radical, they like pick a guy who's famously not sinister. No, I think their angle was probably who is the closest to A-list we can get. Maybe. For a TV series on CW. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how much news those shows make. I know. It's amazing how many updates there are. And I usually exclude them. Yeah. From Thank you discussion. for that. You're welcome. Thank you for that. <laughs> this one, for some reason, seemed significant. Uh, oh, I listened to a good podcast today uh, that I don't know if you would be interested in because you didn't really watch The West Wing, but it's it's The West Wing Weekly, which is a weekly breakdown episode by episode of The West Wing. But this was kind of outside of format. They had on Mike Schur and Rob oh. Lowe and Adam Scott to discuss the parallels between Parks and Recreation and The West Wing. <laughs> oh, interesting. Fabulous episode. Yeah. It was so cool to be a fan of both. That's right really up cool. your alley. Yeah. Well, it is. And I mean, I guess I kind of knew subconsciously that Parks and Rec was was inspired in great ways by the West Wing. They're both uh, they're both about idealists mm-hmm. trying to work in American government to make America better. Yeah, uh, they're just obviously so tonally different. Right. But there are also our casting comparisons, like Rob Lowe. Oh yeah, Bradley. Right, Cooper Rob Lowe was in both. Was the star of both. Bradley Cooper had a, a small bit part in Parks and Rec towards the end. Bradley Cooper. Bradley Whitford. Excuse me. Oh, okay. Maybe Richard Sheaf too. Anyway, they um. They uh, they talked that through and it was really interesting. But that leads me to uh, Mike Schur news and Parks and Rec news. Love it. Which is that The Good Place is going to have a little, cameo. Little Sebastian. Of Little Sebastian. That's amazing. Which is the tiny horse from Parks and Rec. Yes. I saw I saw uh, Darcy Carden, the one who plays Janet. Right. Post a picture with Little Sebastian. She's doing an all right job at becoming a famous person. I think so too. She's doing, she's making the rounds. She's doing all the podcasts. She's doing all the talk shows. She's, yeah, she's evidently very charismatic. Yes. And very comedic in her own right. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see her diversify a little bit, do like some acting because obviously Janet is, is she does an amazing job, but it's not, it's not any other kind of acting we've seen before. No. To see her play a proper character would be very curious, which I'm sure she's capable of. Now, are you caught up with the good place at all? No, I haven't. I haven't seen any of season three. But they're in real world, right? They're in yes. present world. Yeah. Is that where Lil Sebastian's going to be? I don't know. Can't be. Did Lil Sebastian die in yeah, Parks he died. and Rec? That's yeah, why I the song, Bye Bye Lil Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> You're 5,000 candles in the wind. Right. The trailer came out for Lego Movie 2, the second Lego movie or something. It's mm-hmm. the subtitle is funny. It's like the second, the next one or something. Yeah. The next one I think yeah. is what it's called. 
this is kind of fun. Uh, Black Friday is this week. Yep. If you haven't seen the Lego movie in a while. Yep. It is streaming for free on YouTube for 24 hours this Black Friday. Why on Black Friday? I think to advertise Lego Movie 2. Lego's on sale for Black Friday too. Yeah. Well, and also like I remember the first Lego movie came out just after the cutoff for the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. And I had, it was kind of widely criticized that it wasn't nominated for Best Animated Picture at the following Oscars. And that's timing. Like the, right. the nominees are always coming out just before the Oscars. And this was kind of unfortunate timing for the, for mm-hmm. the Lego movie. I'm thinking this sequel is coming out at the same time of year. So we're nearing that time where the Lego Movie 2 is actually going to come out, which would be in the middle of the winter 2019. Mm-hmm. And so they're starting to promote that film. And in doing so, they're giving you a free opportunity to watch the first. Excellent. I love that movie. It was funny, right? It was funnier yeah. than it should have been. Yeah. Were you a Lego person growing up? Not really. No? No. I was. I remember building a very satisfying... I am more now than then. Yeah. And have realized that Ikea is adult Lego. Uh, is it? I kind of like it. Okay. It's satisfying. Put something big together just by looking at the... That's right. You and I chatted about this off the microphone. You didn't find it as frustrating as says the stereotype about Ikea. No. They say that to test your relationship, you should build Ikea furniture together. Yeah. No, I I didn't find it that It's not that bad, right? No. And I'm not handy, as previously stated. Mm -hmm. And I've built Ikea furniture. You know what toys I liked a lot, but didn't have a lot of, but I'm buying uh, an entire arsenal of tomorrow from a coworker. Uh, okay. No. Nerf guns. You're buying a bunch of Nerf guns. Buying a bunch of Nerf guns. Why? To light up Jen's two little cousins. All right. Yeah. I like it. Next time they come over, I'm just going to... Did you not? I'm going to have them at work tomorrow, so I'm going to also light up several coworkers. Uh, Are they like the machine-operated, battery-powered, like, Nerf blasters? I'll show you a picture after the podcast. There's, like, seven guns. Amazing. And, like, a bunch of, like, ammunition and clips. I don't know if there's any battery power involved in any of them, but... Somebody at work was selling an arsenal? So I overheard, yeah, BJ was. Okay. I overheard him talking about it. And I said, wait, you're trying to get rid of Nerf guns? I might be in the market for those. Were were you anyway, or was this whimsy? This was kind of whimsy, but I I often think about how fun it would be to have Nerf guns at the house, especially just to like, you know, like, well, really, any there's no inappropriate time to use it. You don't have to defend Nerf guns to me. Yeah. So why didn't you have a lot of Nerf guns growing up? Was it a non-gun household? No, it wasn't even that. I think my parents just probably thought like, ah, oh, we don't want these going everywhere. If I ever got them, they were like the really small ones. Yes. I think they must have just thought the oh, one this shot would just ones. be like a little fleeting. Like, yeah, he little, just wants a little ball. Beretta Nerf gun. That's right. Yeah. But these are like the Gatling gun style. Very nice. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty intense. It's funny. Like I am, I am a kind of anti-gun person. If I were to have kids, I don't know if guns would be. I think they'd probably be fine with it. I don't think I want to be too weird about it. I mean, I don't really consider Nerf guns guns. They're very clearly not guns, right? Yeah. I don't think they glorify guns. I think that's no. my point. Yeah. Like we had tons of toy guns. We were chatting with uh, our oldest friends on Friday night. We had a hangout with like my buddies who've been my dearest friends since I was like six. Yeah. Uh, we used to play a game we called Gun Game, which was just tag with toy guns. Yeah, sure. Incidentally, we um, we were friends like all through childhood. And uh, we were hanging out on a Friday night, and they dug out these old home videos that we made. Oh, amazing. We were like 13, 14 years old, like just pre-YouTube. Yeah. Like had it happened like a couple years later, these would have been put on YouTube and we'd be like horrified. We'd be mortified that they're <laughs> out there. Yeah. Just these like stupid stunt videos. 
I don't think they were even jackass inspired, but they were just like us being dumb preteens. Right. Because it was funny to us. And when somebody suggested we put them on, I was like, no, please don't make me watch. It's going to be so cringy. It's going to be horrible. And not only was it not cringy, it was genuinely hilarious. I was funnier as a child than I am now (laughs) in like the truest comedic sense. And also it was really beautiful. It sounds ridiculous. It was very cathartic and cool to see this younger, simplified version of yourself who is not encumbered by uh, like work stresses or insomnia or... I had the same thing when I watched like childhood uh, videos a few Christmases ago. Yeah. I'm convinced like it made me a better person for like three months just having watched that. It's humbling, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, speaking on that note, one of my friends told me one of the things that I thought is honestly like the funniest thing a group of people in junior high could do. He, my friend Brent (laughs) told me that one time him and all of his friends for no reason, uh, in the middle of summer, put on their entire snowsuits and just went to McDonald's. That's hilarious. <laughs> and just sat down and like ate their entire meal and then like got back in the car and, and went home. The other thing they did yep. was all of them. And they said they were like the younger of like the, there was like some older guys that they, that were like kind of, I think came up with the idea. They all put on black suits. Yeah. And walked this one guy in, like he was like a celebrity or something, into McDonald's. Right. And like ordered and stuff and and maintained the circle around him. Yeah. And like had earpieces in and stuff and were pretending to talk and then just walked out after. That's so funny. Isn't that the best? That's real. We always wanted to, we never did this, but we always, and I think this is the thing a lot of people talk about. We always wanted to like put on red polos and go into Staples. And like the thing that you like put on red polos and like black khakis and you go into like the staples like hole puncher aisle and you take a bunch of hole punchers off a rack and then you just start putting them on the rack again. (laughs) (laughs) And you just wait for somebody to ask you for help or something and you say, I don't work here. And that would, that's right. And they just look at you confused. I've always wanted to do that. One thing we did do, I'm going to be careful with this, but I think it's worth sharing. Uh, We... Like my my initiation into radio mm-hmm. was owning a pirate radio station with these two guys, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, three nights a week we do this like one hour talk broadcast where we just like talk about like if school uniforms are a good idea or right. like just whatever we thought a radio show was or should be. Yeah. And so for like a couple of years as twelve thirteen year olds, uh, we fancied ourselves these authorities and we would listen to real radio. For example, like what we do now. Yeah. And just like hate on it oh no nice. like, that's so dumb we would never do that on you our basically show. did like jocktober yes exactly <laughs> okay and so there was one particular station that we we found pl- was too repetitive which is funny because that's a that's a complaint that so many radio stations get in yeah. fact i think every radio station from their most loyal listeners is complained to for for sure repeating the same songs too often and so one particular station in town that still exists played like too much i don't know destiny's child or something Mm -hmm. and we were riled up about it so we were hanging out one friday night and we called up the station and we're like why do you play that destiny's child song so much yeah and the announcer totally humored us he's like he he like explains to us like how the clocks work and he's like well listen guys like this and it's super nice yeah and i've never told him but it's adam marriott 
who, <laughs> who works with us now and is darling. He's such a nice person. And I should tell him, really, but like. You he, should. That he, makes me so happy. I was happy. maybe 12 or 13 and I called him to rag on him. Yeah. And he was too nice. And we're just like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, sir. Yep. Oh, my God. If you don't, can I? Yeah, sure. I, I would be so excited to tell him that. No, I want to save it for you, but I just. He and I don't really talk that often. I don't think you'll pull the trigger on it. Okay, I'm yeah. going to do it then. Okay. God, that makes me so happy. I'm going to tell Anna. She'll forget yeah. it too. Yeah. Or maybe just don't bring it up. <laughs> See, now you don't like it anymore. <laughs> no, I feel weird about it. I would have told him by now. Uh, no. It's just embarrassing, but also it's kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I well, I didn't plan story. on sharing that tonight on the podcast. I'm happy you got it off your chest. Yeah, thank you. Um, What else we got? Not a whole lot. Just childhood memories. Yeah, pretty much. The lead singer of LFO memories. died today. Remember LFO? Oh, I thought you said LMAO. No, no, no. No. Uh, he was As if that makes it better. No, it Oh, doesn't. thank God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's sad. Devin Limo is his name. He's the lead singer of LFO. He's 41. LFO was like, new kids on the block had a bunch of hits. That was their only song they had? That was their only big hit. Yeah. <laughs> Chinese food makes me sick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He had cancer. So it's oh very my sad. god! Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was gonna be way more um like scandalous, you know, self-induced. Yeah. No, no, no. It's just like a genuinely tragic oh, story. God. That I just noticed an hour ago, so I thought I'd toss it yeah, at the end. <laughs> Go out on that note. No, it's sad. It's kind of a song you don't hear because it's so novelty. Right. Like there are certain songs that don't we'll, we play that sometimes? No. 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 We're like we'll play "Steal My Sunshine." We'll play "How Bizarre." Right. But "Summer Girls" by LFO is too novelty, mm-hmm. which I I get, but like. I don't know. It's kind of arbitrary. Do you know that uh, Steal My Sunshine is a, it's like a blatant um, pull. Sample. Sample. Have you ever heard the song? It's no. a sample from. So you know the song, Mo, 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 how do you like me? How do you like me? Yeah. Mo. Okay. Yeah. At the end of the song for like 20 seconds, it's a total like inconsequential part of the song. It does the like, like literally just that bar and they took that bar and repeated it for the entire song and i thought it was an original piece of production so at the time i was like man like why is everyone hate on steal my sunshine man no i'm gonna play you the song after it remember when crazy town ripped off that uh that chili pepper song and did butterfly sure yeah is it called Butterfly? It is Butterfly. Yeah, come, my lady. John, John Mulaney. That was a tweet I saw. Matt, Matt Selaney. <laughs> yeah, that's better. Yeah. That's very good. Matt Selaney, you can throw into a lot of uh, a lot of names. Yeah, Basically, a, a any, rhythmically versatile name. Any song with baby or lady. Oh, yeah. I've, I've Example, because you're my Selaney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how you went to Sticks first. Is that it is? Yeah. Oh no, no. You were doing. Are you doing Celine Dion? Is that Celine Dion? That's Celine yeah. Dion. Okay. I thought you meant like Lady, <laughs> you're my darling. That works too. Yep. Yep. Uh, hi, my name is Ticket Ticket Matt oh, Celine. Yeah. Were you using that when you were eleven? Oh, I sure was. Of course. Good for Grade you. Grade six. So you were always clever as fuck. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I I realized at an early age what my name could be used. What my name rhymed with. All right, good. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay, I think we should talk about shows. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Is it my turn to talk about shows? Uh, to start? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start by recapping the first episode of Netflix's The Kaminsky Method, mm-hmm. starring Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. 
Uh, I watched it a couple of days ago. Hopefully I can remember all the specifics. I also watched the second episode, so that's going to muddy the waters a little bit. But I will go on. Go. Three, two, one. Sandy Kaminsky is a formerly successful Hollywood movie person who now runs a California-based acting school. It's okay. Uh, His former agent and best friend, Alan Arkin, and Alan Arkin's uh, former movie star wife uh, live in this other house nearby, and she's dying of cancer. At the end of the episode, she does, in fact, die of cancer. And Michael Douglas has to cut short the date he's having with his middle-aged acting student Mm -hmm. uh, to go pay his respects. Uh, which kind of just, uh, and she comes along on the on that particular errand. Yeah, poor, I think that done. was I think that was pretty succinct. I guess, yeah. We should you know, note that this is a Chuck Lorre show. That that was what surprised me the most. I did not go into it knowing that it was a Chuck Lorre show, right? And it uh, it kind of worked, didn't it? It kind of, I mean, it works better than what you expect of a Chuck yeah. Lorre show. You go into a Chuck Lorre show, you expect two broke girls, which hilariously isn't a Chuck Lorre show. Right. Uh, but I've, I've long, and I think I've said it on this podcast before, I've long had a theory that probably somewhere in one of his desks is a play he wrote that he knows is really great. Yeah. It's like American Buffalo. And he he's a, he's a, he's a businessman and he knows what sells. And so mm-hmm. that's what he creates. What's interesting, I have two thoughts on this. One, I actually don't think that this is much better than the best early episodes of, say, The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I think it's just context allows you to view it a little differently. There's no laugh track. It's right. shot in single cam. The actors are objectively better. I think mm-hmm. that helps. The writing is fine yeah. at best. Right. Uh, the other uh, flattering thing is that it seems to be aware of how shitty Chuck Lorre shows is. Right down to the crack he makes about The Big about Bang Theory sitcoms. being pandering. Did he say the Big Bang Theory is pandering? He says those Big Bang losers or whatever, those Big Bang clowns. Oh, gotcha. He specifically says Big Bang Theory. And then later on, he says something a little bit more vague about the pandering of the American Network sitcom. Right. And so that's Chuck Lorre saying, look, I know. I know. So he wrote it. He's not just like an EP on it. Yeah, he wrote it. It's his show. Yeah. Cool. Which is interesting. Yeah. You can tell he's kind of self-hating anyway. You think so? I think so. Like through those vanity cards? Yeah. Yeah. He's a thinker. Yep, definitely. Michael Douglas was very good. Alan yeah. Arkin's very good in everything. He's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know much of Michael Douglas's repertoire. Like, can we talk about that for a second? Are you someone who has seen many Michael Douglas movies? I mean, I've seen Wall Street. Have you seen Wall I haven't even seen Wall Street. Oh, you'd love Wall I've Street. I've seen Falling Down, and I liked Falling Down a lot. I've, wait, what is Falling Down? So that's the one where... It's basically a slow build of a guy having a bad day and being stressed out and being kind of like a, and like slowly becoming enraged and ends up getting out of his car on the freeway in a traffic jam and like firing a semi-automatic gun and kind of like it turns into a, a negotiation situation oh. where he's like taking And the he's freeway. the protagonist? Yes. That doesn't age well. No. I mean, even at the time, I think he's kind of like also the antagonist. Yes. He's not okay. really the protagonist. All right. He's kind of the antagonist. Okay. And then the negotiators. Anti-hero. Yeah. All the right. negotiators kind of become the hero, I think. Okay. I, yeah. I think he, I, I don't know what the movie is supposed to want you to do, but I remember just like catching it on TBS and watching the whole thing. One of those movies. Right. No, like, I, I, to answer your question, I don't know a lot about his no. stuff. Neither of no. us do, but I, there are people of a certain age that would be like, whoa, Michael Douglas is doing this show. I'm yeah. going to watch it because Michael Douglas is in it. Well, he's a legend. Yeah. And he's like, also, his dad is 102, Kirk Douglas. <laughs> Which makes you want to watch the show even more. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the off chance. 
but he's got he's got two Academy Awards. Alan Arkin's got one, so you know the acting is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a little it's a little cheap and easy. Yeah, I think like the second episode they bring in Jay Leno right to like MC her funeral. Yeah, actually, okay, I didn't see the second. Alan Arkin episode. has like a a freaking earth shattering monologue in it. Really, it's so good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's and that's where he really shows his chops. I couldn't help but associate Michael Douglas as this kind of flushed out acting teacher with Henry Winkler as this kind of. Oh, flushed I out. was gonna bring up the exact same thing in Barry. It's a little different because Henry Winkler is kind of a shyster. He's kind of like he's kind. You got to pay in cash, and he's he was really he's kind of lying when he says he was successful, and he's he's kind of he's a right. good person, but he's also there's something shady about the Gene Cousineau acting method. Right. Whereas the Kaminsky method seems to be a little bit more founded in something legit. Yes, he was like Sally Fields. Uh, acting coach right he's kind of like a formerly glorif- like formerly successful acting coach well it's kind of like if michael douglas was uh 80 as successful and ran an acting school now instead maybe 80 percent but great. i don't think he was a very successful actor like i don't think he's known for just a coach yeah i think just a coach okay but is now kind of like you know he's auditioning for stuff and maybe he did small stuff here and there but right he but said he coached this, yeah, Sally Field. Yeah, and there's this, this subtly hinted at backstory where he used to be quite a playboy and he was never really able right. to settle down. And so right. that so that he's hanging out with, he's 74 or something, and that he's hanging out with this 50-year-old woman is actually like quite a step right. in the right direction for him. Close to his age. Yeah, and she gives like a kind of, uh, when Harry met Sally-esque uh, uh, acting performance in a diner. Right. And, um, yeah, you know, I didn't dislike it. I voluntarily oh, watched, you the, watched the second episode. I watched the next episode. That's for sure. The other thing that was kind of like uh, the acting school in Barry is that they all seem to be getting up and doing movie monologues. Yeah. My, my issue with the first episode and even more so with the second episode is that this show seems to think all young people are stupid. Okay. Interesting take. Yeah. Kind of seems to think all millennials are vapid and not artists. That could be the way that, uh, Chuck Lorre thinks. I mean, would you believe that? I would believe that, not yeah. knowing a whole lot about him. Yeah. But I would he seems like that. kind of a cynical guy in general. I don't know. Maybe we just feel that way. Because I, think it's, I think it's inherently cynical to do 11 seasons of a show when you have half a billion dollars in the bank. That's true. I think that's cynical. But there's a lot of people working on that show too, you know? Sometimes yeah. you must be like, I don't want to put these people out of I don't know. Either. I hear you. I think that's fair. But I think that Kaylee Cuoco and Jim Parsons more have the have the power in, in keeping the show on the air than he does. Right. I think he's just like, he could have left the show and the show would keep going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's still working on it. Although maybe not. That he's not hard. like in the writer writer's room. Is he? I don't know. I, I, I think he's the show runner. Really? Yeah. Wow. Chuck Lorre. Hmm. So would you give it your ass? I kind of would in a weird way. I think I do. I, and I wasn't that surprised by it. I don't think I knew the Chuck Lorre connection as much. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe, maybe I shouldn't I'm, be looking at it through that, through that lens. Say, maybe I'm happy I didn't. You know, I, I had a good chuckle at a couple parts, like when he like f- flipped off the, uh, the sun. But again, another example of young people just being meatheads. Yeah, a little bit. Because that wouldn't happen. That was so over the top. Mm. I think maybe the Chuck Lorre thing is clouding it for me. I think I would have liked this more purely. I wouldn't feel so restrained. I wouldn't feel so like uh, reticent to just like it openly. Do we think that um, the guy who played uh, 
the guy who's in Atypical, is he going to have a bigger role in it? I think, I think so. I think so. I mean, I think he's one of their Netflix call sheet guys now, right? Yeah. He yeah. plays such an idiot in it, too. He plays a total I- I- meathead, but not in Atypical. No, kind no, of a not sweetheart in, in that show. But he also was in Silicon Valley. Oh, okay. And played kind of a similar role. No, not really. Here's my other issue. When uh, Alan Arkin's wife dies mm-hmm. and he won't leave her hospital room mm-hmm. because that's like, moving on that's admitting too much that it's real like why did, why did they try to get him out of there so quickly i don't know that's what i'm going at that's what michael douglas for. comes along with only michael douglas can convince alan arkin to leave and then they just go to lunch yeah <laughs> they just, they just Let, go to dinner he doesn't have get to, some food he doesn't sign any papers they just yeah. leave her dead body in a room i also found it really weird like i know it was supposed to be weird for the um girlfriend character or mm-hmm. the the girl he was uh, the lady he was on a date with yes um but I didn't find Alan Arkin very, like, like, he was so dismissive of everything that was happening, as he probably would be. Yeah, he's kind of playing the Alan Arkin character a little bit. And, like, yeah. you wonder, like, how is this so easy for you? Yeah. He does show a little bit of emotion in the next episode, although not so much that it's, it, it's still kind of like, your wife died, you know? Right. It's still a little bit of that, except for that one monologue in the second episode. Right. Okay. I think I'm going to watch a little more, because it's easy. Is the monologue a eulogy? It's a eulogy, okay. and then it gets cut off. It gets like you're like, oh, this is, could make me cry if he says another two words, right. and then it gets interrupted with comedy. Oh, uh, okay. Someone in the audience like passes out or something. His daughter shows up. She stumbles <sighs> in with sunglasses on. Oh, she's like drunk. I think so. Yeah. Huh. Is she a famous actor? Yeah, Andrea something. Andrea. It's like a character actor. Okay. You'd recognize her. Um, but they they kind of reference her a little bit in the first episode, like oh she doesn't even come to visit her. Guess how many times she came to visit her sick mother? Zero. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, brutal. I do give it my ass for Alan. I do. How old do you think Alan Arkin is? Uh, like eighty, probably. I think he's in his eighties. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Hey Siri, how old is Alan Arkin? Yeah, she's not. With me. <laughs> she didn't doesn't, find anything for you on the web. Doesn't matter. All right, do you want to recap the episode of uh, Homecoming, the first episode of Amazon Prime's Homecoming? Yes. That's the one you watched, right? Yep. All right, you may begin. I was just thinking about it. In uh, three. Do you need to have to say any first words? Uh, I do want to introduce this by saying I watched it last week. Oh, rough. Okay. But I think I retain, although I don't remember character names. Me neither. I will be able to tell you the basic plot. Okay. Three, two, one. Go. So Julia Roberts is playing a lady in a um, uh, almost like a rehab facility for veterans that are coming back from uh, war in Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, it kind of flashes forward, and she's now working in a diner. She was a counselor. Now she's a waitress. And so there's an FBI agent in there who is asking her, you know, why did you leave so suddenly two years ago? And she doesn't really give a good answer. No one knows why. And possibly has something to do with her past she's like a transitionary counselor yes she's a transitionary counselor so there's that and there's also the fact that like she has this long conversation with her boss um who it's like a privatized medical clinic basically and he's big into the medicine like no no we need the medicine we can't she's trying to go for a more holistic non-medicinal approach to rehabilitating some of these soldiers and it kind of seems like he's got something up his sleeve. Yes. So with- so I think the most important thing that you left out is that she asks her patient to state on the record that he is taking part in this counseling voluntarily. 
That's like a specific point where she's like, do you agree that you're doing this voluntarily? He nods. She goes, can you please state it for the record? He says, yes, I'm doing this voluntarily. The episode is called Mandatory. Right. And later on, and later on, we see a flash forward to the FBI person questioning her. And he asks her, were your patients volunteers? Right. And she's like, I don't remember. Yeah. Right. She doesn't claim to remember that patient, she's like clearly lying to cover. Like she knows something shady happened right. at that halfway house or whatever we want yeah. to call it. I kind of wondered at the beginning if this was like a memory loss story. Okay. Is she like, I don't know what happened. Like, did she potentially get drugged or like mind controlled by this big military Yeah. Monster. Something shady. It seems like at its core, it's probably a murder mystery, right? Like we don't know if this this particular main focus patient who's like kind of a golden boy from what yeah. we can tell, right? Right. We don't know if he's dead, but the guy asks about him specifically. The, right. If the cop asks about, do you does this name ring a bell? And yeah. she's like, I'm busy working. Like and, she kind of blows it off at that point. And there's certainly a lot of emotions around what he is saying throughout the episode. Like he seems to have it all together, but he's also kind of you know, talking about people in his life who have died. Right. He tells that big story about, um, was that in the second episode or the first episode? Did you watch the second one? I don't think I did, but maybe I did. There's just half hour episodes. I know. Well, there was the, huh. there was the scene where there's like a little <clears throat> counseling session with, uh, Frig, what's his name? The guy from girls, the Jewish guy from yeah. girls. He's like leading like a little counseling session with a bunch of the, the ex vets or whatever. Right. Job and interviews. Pretty much. Yeah, that's right. He's teaching them how to go on job interviews. Mm-hmm. And most of them are very, um, very masculine. Yeah. A little bit on edge. Like pretty much everybody is aggressive except yeah. for this, our main guy. Right. Uh, did you notice the guy from shameless, the brother from yes. shameless was Lip. there? Yeah. Lips. So, I didn't know this, but Sam Esmail is the creator of this show. Yes. He created Mr. Robot. Right. He's married to Emmy Rossum. Oh, whoa. So, I had no idea. So there are a couple of shameless uh, uh, connections here. Gotcha. Anyone else in the show from Shameless? Uh, not that I know of. Interesting. But I also, I never really watched Shameless other than yeah, yeah. I lived together. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. I, I give it my ass. I, I, I don't think I did. Really? I just felt like, I don't know, there's some there's some interesting stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of struck me as odd artistically when they would shoot forward to the diner and the aspect ratio would get really narrow. Yeah, why were they doing like, that? Like really narrow. Just to really, I think, let you know that there's something different. But really narrow. And also, this takes place in the future? I don't know, does it? Because in the, in the beginning, she's saying April, tw- uh, April whatever, 2018, when she's recording her conversation with the guy oh yeah and then in the diner he's saying four years ago right okay so 2022 so is there a time is there actually are they actually in the future or is it still 2018 i don't but know they're like is she confused about how long ago it actually was when really well now this that's is where i come into the mind control thing. based on a gimlet podcast yes but a fictional one right yeah well it's not, it's no not, no no it, i don't i don't think it is a fictional one. maybe it is a fictional one but it's it's like a serial type show that's kind of what i was thinking but i could be wrong wouldn't it be a bigger news story if there was some like crazy psychological psychiatric facility that was well murdering when, patients when i think about podcasts that are just stories i kind of think well that's an audiobook yeah like that i don't really consider that to be a podcast no it's a it's a radio drama 
Yeah, sure. But that could exist within, like, Welcome to Night Vale is a radio drama. That's right. one of the most popular podcasts. Yeah. I kind of thought it was more like that. Yeah, maybe it is. You're more familiar with those than I am, I guess, anyway. What about when uh, he's doing counseling, that main guy? I wish we knew his name. Um, and she's asking about, about his, some of his more emotional breakouts. Is it Walter Bergman or is that her last name? Is her last name Bergman? Ugh, that doesn't ring a bell at all. Okay. I don't know. But he, he, he admits to, he's very calm, but he admits to occasionally kind of fantasizing about slamming his head into the sharp corner of his oh, desk. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's what that's what I meant by the dark thoughts. That's yeah. foreshadowing something that's definitely going to happen yeah, later. Either right. he's going to do it or someone else is going to do it yeah. to him or something. Right. Like that's or he's probably, going to do it to someone else. It's presumed by the end of the first episode he's probably toast. So yeah. that might be how he died. Right. But it should be on record somewhere. She's mm-hmm. frigging around with her weird little tape recorder at the beginning yeah and her like what's her husband's situation like that's right dermot mulrooney dermot mulrooney makes is it a dermot cameo? mulrooney or is it the other guy uh it's not dylan mcdermott, dylan McDermott. becky and i had this conversation it's dermot mulrooney. and it's not timothy oliphant i kind of for some reason throw him in the mix i don't yeah, know why that's fair no it's it's dermot mulrooney mm-hmm. okay dermot mulrooney julia roberts bigger question is it possible this is a sequel to my best friend's wedding was he was in my best friend's wedding? Eh? They were the couple, and they don't get together in the end because she's a horrible person in my best friend's wedding. Okay, she tries to steal him away from Cameron Diaz. Right, and in the end, she fails. Is this an alternative storyline, a darkest timeline in which she wins? She prevails in my best friend's wedding, and this is what becomes of them. He's genuinely unhappy. Potentially moved. To this place for her career he does a lot for her and she's not really very forthcoming They've barely been together a year and he's right. like all over yeah you know for someone who's like famous as being america's sweetheart julia roberts plays a lot of unlikable people she sure does let's go through them <laughs> <laughs> well there's those two the one who looks like julia roberts in oceans 12 so unlikable <laughs> tess tess Tess, no, she's she's like she's like she's just always down on Danny's crazy antics. Yeah, like what support, a nag. Support that. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I guess that theory kind of falls through. Mm-hmm. I guess she is lovable. She's pretty nice and everything. She's she's doing. great. Yeah. Um, but you don't necessarily give it your ass. It's just something about it that I'm just like, I don't know. I it felt very cinematic. I thought okay. like it, it looked it looked cool. I think an artist made this show. Yeah. You know what I liked when the credits are going and it's just the FBI guy like walking around the patio outside Fat Morgan's. Yeah. Morgans. Yeah. That was cool. It was kind of cool. I thought they did a couple cool things. I even liked when they display the the uh, title of the show in the overlay at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of think that was almost done in a bit of a weird homage to something else we've never really talked about episodes having titles in tv shows no it seems important in this one it seems important in this one i mean it's very very seldom that you remember what certain episodes of shows are called yeah sometimes you can remember with friends because those are designed to be what you might like instinctively call them yeah and we mentioned the west wing earlier the west wing has a couple episodes that have like titles that their the episode is famous for Mm -hmm. uh but generally speaking like some shows just They'll just call episode two chapter two, which is pretentious. Well, that's what The Good Place does. They're on like chapter 37 now. Yeah, I hate it. Why? It's so dumb. House of Cards did the same thing. I almost wonder if there's going to be a tie-in at the end where there was like a nod to a certain number throughout the series and then it ends on that. It would be cool. it would be like kind of a beautiful. Yeah, that's true. 
It would be cool and it would be like the good place to like jump from episode from from chapter 37 to 39. And you're like, what did I miss? And then they come back and show you like what you missed or something. Oh, yeah. I would like that. You'd have to be really clever to catch it, though. Yeah. I wonder if there's any good place fan theories or anything happening out there yet. I bet there is. I was going to say there should be a, a good place podcast, but NBC produces that. NBC is producing like uh, big budget podcasts of some of their flagship shows now. Wow. Yeah. It's like the good pod. Is that what it's called? I think there's like a I think there's a this is us podcast, too. That's like produced by Comcast. Wow. Yeah. You know what I noticed recently? Because I, I watch all the talk shows the morning after. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon has a This Is Us person on every week. That's smart. It's, it kind of, I guess it kind of makes sense, but like, it's a little tired. I know. Well, it's a little tired. Do you mean This Is Us in general or just This the Is fact Us? That he this has... Is Us had a series low in ratings this week. Really? It's the lowest rated episode they have ever had in three seasons. Ooh. I think they're in a rut. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they peaked last season with, with Jack's death, and they've got a good story going right now with his brother, mm-hmm. and that's a new character, and so Jimmy had him on. Right. Um, who is his ca- Who plays his character, his brother? I don't know the guy's name. He's good, though. Guy. He's good. Cool. Like, I still really like the show. Mm-hmm. It's a good show. Yeah. But I can see why now is when their ratings went out. Plus, it's Thanksgiving. Americans aren't watching live TV. Right. There was an SNL uh, Thanksgiving special on tonight as well. Oh, really? Yeah. They didn't really lean into Thanksgiving too much this week with with Steve Carell. No, and they definitely didn't for Halloween. There is no Halloween-related skits. You're right. What did you think of Steve Carell, by the way? Oh, it was great. It was a good episode. Uh, You know he's going to be good on it. Well, what was up with that corn skit, though? That just went so badly. I liked The, the corn sketch. Did you? I loved it. That's I've, so funny you said that. I loved it. I, I don't think it was I don't think it was bad. I enjoyed it because of how bad I thought it was. Like yeah. how everyone was just laughing and I think completely missing lines and not really like the end. There was no like beginning, right. middle, and end. You're right. It was a little It just ended with let's just eat the corn. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was really out there. I thought that yeah. was kind of interesting. No, I, actually, I disagree with what you said before. Steve Carell is like one of the comedic geniuses of our of our time. Mm-hmm. But I, he's done so much drama lately. I actually didn't find comedy that natural for him. And SNL no. isn't natural for a lot of people. So no. I, I can give him that edge. But there were times where I was like, I had to remind myself that we know him because he's so funny. Really? He felt a little stiff. Really? In a few sketches. In, in fact, the the monologue, which of course was newsmaking, mm-hmm. it was a little office reunion, and that was nice. The most natural person in that monologue was Jenna Fisher. Everyone else was really stiff. Yeah. Ed Helms was okay. Yeah. I didn't mind... Um, Ellie uh, Kemper? Ellie Kemper. Who was that other person? Was the, Oh, the, she's like a, definitely a writer who yeah, was I playing an audience member. The joke must have been... But it was, like, it was really jarring that you didn't know her. And right. I think that was the joke. Yeah, that was the joke, because remember she even gets up on stage with yeah. them, and he's like, wait, no, not you, get no, back not down you. there. Yeah. yeah. Overall, not a bad episode. No. Yeah. No, I'm okay with it. I I think it will... I also wasn't crazy about Ellie May. I'd never heard of her before. May Ellie? I, I listened to like 20 seconds of the first song, and I thought, she has a good voice, and then I was yeah. bored. Yeah. Oh, Saturday Night Live. I think we're, I think we're done for the week, right? Yeah. I think so. All right. You know what they say about Saturday Night Live? Or at least what I say about Saturday Night Live? In spite of it being like maybe my favorite show of all time. Should have been three three seasons. seasons. (laughs) Or less. Or less.